With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining, joined by my co-hosts, Jeremy Dunn and Jack McEnroth. Gentlemen, happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing today? Yo. Yo, yo. I'm so <laughs> tired. Are you kidding? I'm so tired. Uh. <laughs> well, I know Jack just got done an interview, right? Oh, my God. I'm like radio whore tonight. I, like, literally, I just got, I just hung up with the craziest host ever. I heard it. <laughs> I was listening. She was a hoot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> she was. She talked more than me and Jeremy and you combined. I was like, am I the really? guest? Or, yeah, I'm like, am I actually a guest? Or are you just going to talk the whole time? No, but she was hilarious. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, it was, it was funny, but I was listening to for like 20 minutes, so. <laughs> it was cool. Oh my goodness. So how was your Thanksgiving? How Jeremy, you go. Okay, okay, I'll go. Let's see. Went to Mark's sister's house. We had a great time. I was drunk. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> tryptophan and alcohol, let me tell you what a night that makes. Um <laughs> and um and then last night I went over to um, some friend's house and helped them put up their Christmas tree. We put up our Christmas tree tonight. I have oh, garland nice. and I have lights. It's, it looks like Christmas threw up in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that you, was Jack? my holiday. That was my weekend. That's funny. I <laughs> did nothing. I'm not a big holiday person. So I went over to my best friend's house and we watched three movies on pay-per-view and order pizza. What'd you watch? <laughs> but I love that. I mean, I, I my family's all in Seattle, and they come and visit me here a lot, and I didn't feel like going back to Seattle, so um, it's all good. But, but, but what movies did you watch? Oh, what movies did I watch? Um, we watched uh, The Last House on the Left, and we wa- which is a horror movie, which I love, and we watched... Um, uh, this weird movie called Management with um, Jennifer Aniston. It was actually kind of good, very sweet. Okay. And yeah. what was Last House on the Left? I, I'm dying to know. I haven't seen I it. I love it. It's the second time I've seen it. It's really good. It's really gruesome, but it's really good. Is it, is it as good as the first one? Uh, I've never, I'm sure it's better because I know the first one was made in like the late 70s. It's, it's, oh. it's really, it's quite good. Oh, Jack, you have to see the first one. Oh, really? Yes, you have to. My okay. mother would my mother would not let me see horror movies because of that movie. 
Really? Yes, it scared her that bad. I think it was just because of the cinematography and the acting, but I'm sure the reason why she didn't want to see it was because it was scary. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. What did you do, Robert? What did you say? What did you do for uh, Thanksgiving? Robert, um, I, I, I did the, the typical uh, go to your grandma's and uh, you know had the big dinner with the family. It was it was nice. It was um, more exciting going Black Friday shopping, <laughs> eight o'clock on Thanksgiving Day uh, night to uh, yeah Walmart for numerous you did amounts what? of hours. You went to Walmart at eight p.m. I went to Walmart at eight p.m. on Thanksgiving Day and I stood in line until five a.m. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'd rather oh my kill myself. God. I think I would too. Oh, but it's fun. It's the so thrill of Walmart, it all. Of any other store, you had to stand in line at Walmart. Look, they had the best sales. <laughs> and I was actually doing it for my sister because she was getting things for my um, niece and nephew. And you can only get one per person um, for these, like, 19-inch flat screens that were $125. So I volunteered. And we do it every year. We go Black Friday shopping. And I volunteered to stand in line with her to get her a second TV for her son. So. But, but, but Walmart? Yeah, it was, hey, they have the best sales. It's where you go where you got to go. That <laughs> <laughs> was only the beginning because after we went to Walmart, we were at Target and then Kmart and then all these other places. So it was like a big fiasco. I didn't get in until 10 a.m. the next day. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. I can't do it. <laughs> I, I can't go shopping on the Friday after Thanksgiving. I can't do it. Oh, it's fun. You know. No, because that's that's why I honestly Friday after Thanksgiving shopping is why I hate Christmas. <laughs> I'm with you, so I, I I'm not a shop. I I, I refuse. I like I buy I get buy everything on the internet. I do not go into the stores. And imagine being in New York during Christmas time and like oh. shopping. Oh my God, it's oh. it's a slice of hell. Let me tell you. I oh. <laughs> God, I I won't even go in August in New York when it's like back to school shopping. It's, oh, God. Anyway, what are we doing tonight? What what's going on? Are we just gonna sit here and talk about our holiday, or what are we? Are, are right, we actually, right. Yeah. So uh, tonight we're actually going to talk about um, World AIDS Day, and um, I wanted to actually announce some World AIDS Day events that are going on in our areas, so people can uh, be aware of it, and uh, we're allowing people to call in and announce you know um, events in their area as well. Um, we do have a special guest who's supposed to be calling in, so I'm waiting for her to call in before we even talk about her and what she does. Um, I don't want to jinx it and have her not call in, but she should be calling in soon. So, Jeremy, what's going on in your area um, for World AIDS Day? What are you doing? Oh, gosh, what are we doing? Um, well, there's, 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 there's a lot going on, I think. And um, who, who's calling? Oh, oh, okay, Jack's calling people hookers in the in the in the chat room. Um, I'm trying to save my profanity for the chat room because I've been scolded for having a potty mouth. <laughs> um, um, there's, you know, there, there's, some, there's a couple of events going on downtown where they're doing some remembrances and things like that, but overall it's pretty quiet, unfortunately. Yeah? yeah. That's not so good. So um, we'll go back to that, but I have our guest on. I'm busy. You're I'm, busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm full of AIDS on World AIDS Day, honey. <laughs> well, we'll I talk about that later, though, because yeah, Marjorie is more interesting to talk to. I, I think we have somebody on the phone, don't we? Don't we have somebody yeah, on? we're going to welcome our Dr. Marjorie Hill from the 
Gay Men's Health Crisis. Marjorie, are you there? I am. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Hi, Marjorie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I just saw you at that Fashion Forward, which was fabulous. I had the best time ever. Did you have a good time? I did. I Great. did. It was wonderful. Great. So, okay, I'll um, say hi to Marjorie. Hey. <laughs> Jeremy. I'm the cute one on the show. <laughs> I can oh, tell. he's looking through his mother's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so, Marjorie, um, t- tell us a little bit about um, the gay men's health crisis, um, how you got involved with it for people who don't know about it. Sure. Well, uh, GMHC, Gay Men's Health Crisis, is the oldest aid service organization in the world. Uh, our former logo was first in the fight, and GMHC came about because uh, individuals were concerned about there being a crisis and an emergency that government and uh, society at large was ignoring and uh, formed GMHC. And we are now in our 29th year and really focused on providing a wide array of services to 15,000 men, women, and families every year. And those services include meals, uh, workforce development, HIV testing and counseling, supportive services, legal services, housing support, treatment adherence, um, parenting skills, disclosure support. Um, You know, we really... Uh, look at HIV as a uh, life challenge and provide the kinds of supports that people need when they're faced with a life-altering challenge such as HIV. And I just have to say, um, I, I have used the services at GMH like for a long time, not recently, but back in the you know early 90s and. So the work that you guys do is so amazing. I used your legal services. I've used, I, I can't even recall the stuff I've, but you're basically like all-encompassing, comprehensive and as far as, you know, anything related to the needs of someone living with HIV. So it's just, I mean, we're honored to talk to you. You guys have a well, great organization thank there. Thank you. It's, you know, I uh, am following in the footsteps of a very um, – legal, if you will, legacy of people who uh, wanted to make a difference in the world. And uh, we try to uphold that tradition. Uh, In addition to the services that we provide to our clients, uh, GMHC is very well known for our social marketing and our very targeted messages. And uh, we're doing some special stuff on World AIDS Day. I'll get to that in a minute. But in addition... Um, we do lots of advocacy both locally, regionally, and on the federal level uh, around legislation and policies that uh, affect the lives of people uh, living with HIV and AIDS or their families. And so we, you know, we spend, I have staff that spend a fair amount of time in D.C. and in Albany. Um, there's no major piece of, of Healthcare uh, or HIV legislation that uh, passes or doesn't in this country that we don't get an opportunity, uh, we see it as our responsibility to weigh in on it. So, um, uh, and we also get our clients very involved in that advocacy. So, 
for our federal lobby day, we go down and we did last May 72 visits on the Hill in one day, and those visits were to staff and to clients, um, really talking the talk and walking the walk about uh, the challenges of HIV to some legislators who have forgotten um, some of those very real challenges. Well, so this is Jeremy, and um, just out of, you know, in your in your battle with, you know, legisl- you know with legislators and, and getting in front of those legislators, what about getting back in front of the public and getting the public engaged again? Well, you know, Jeremy, I think you raise a really good point. Um, the uh, Kaiser Foundation this year did a survey. It actually was a repeat survey that um, they did, I think, about five years ago. And five years ago, they did a call phone-in survey, and there were about 30% of households that knew about HIV or had impacted by HIV or were willing to talk about HIV. They did the survey this year, and there was only 5%. Now, you know, some of us would have thought that 30% was pretty appalling given um, the nature of and the degree in which HIV is a public health issue. Um, So we're very uh, invested in getting in front of the public, and on World AIDS Day, we're going to be launching our new website, our new and improved website, um, to really try and be uh, more cutting edge and more visible and more in keeping with the communication that uh, particularly young people uh, are much more comfortable with. Um, so... Marjorie, this is Jack, and I know it's hard dealing with three hosts because we're all over the place, but <laughs> um, but no, and that's great. I, and also, I just wanted to mention that because we filmed a little video clip just recently for Living Positive by Design, which I think will, you know, if everything is goes right, will be on livingpositivebydesign.com December 1st on World AIDS Day. So that's so I did a cute little interview with you, which which I'm excited to see how that all comes out. And we're um, pleased about that. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, it was fun. I mean, it's fun. It's been fun getting to know you in these little bits and events here and there. I'm curious how you. I don't know that much about your um, in your past involvement with HIV. How did how did that become you know, a real issue for you? How much time you got? <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, we have 45 actually, minutes left. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, in 1982, uh, a college buddy of mine um, called another college buddy of mine to tell us that she had grid. And she didn't call me, but my other friend called and said, Lorraine has grid. And I said, Lorraine can't have grid. Lorraine is a woman. Um, And she said, no, 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 she really does. And so my first introduction to HIV was, not through any of my gay male friends, but through uh, a straight black woman who um, was living in San Francisco with her husband uh, and could not find a provider to see her. There were no treatments, but at least to kind of manage her care, if you will. And um, 
my friend Sharon, the three of us had been buddies in college, uh, was a nurse at Brooklyn Hospital, um, asked the director of um, infectious diseases, would he at least see Lorraine? And he said, if she comes to New York, I will be her primary care um, provider. And Lorraine came to New York essentially to die. And uh, I'll never forget the going to see her at the hospital, um, having the nurse practically um, tackle me because I couldn't enter the room without gloves and gown and mask, and um, going into the room and having Lorraine say, you know, I, I'm bored silly, and I just, you know, I wish I had something to do. And I looked up at the overhanging television and thought, the least I could do is turn on her television, and she thanked me but said, you know, the technicians, because, you know, that was 25 years ago, and at that point in time you had to go and turn on a key to actually physically turn on the television, and none of the techs would risk their lives, this is a quote, um, turning on a television for someone who had this mysterious illness. Uh, she also complained about her food always being cold because the dietary staff that would bring the meals to the floor would not bring her her meal. So her meal would be left somewhere on the floor, and her nurse would have to bring it to her. And, you know, um, that was kind of my introduction to um, HIV. But... Um, I worked for Mayor Dinkins. I was director of the mayor's office for the lesbian and gay community, and that was 1990. And many people thought gay equal AIDS. So when I went to represent the mayor, particularly in city agencies, they would start talking to me about HIV. And so I learned a lot about how New York City was handling HIV uh, in terms of as a municipality, um, but that wasn't really my uh, primary focus. And during my tenure with the mayor, he appointed Ronald Johnson, who was the first director of the mayor's office for HIV-AIDS policy in the city. Um, I left the mayor's office uh, in 93, I guess, and in 1994 was invited to join the GMHC board and thought about it um, but felt like it was an area I had had a, a lot of experience in public health and had done a fair amount of work with families in HIV. I'm a psychologist by training and had worked at Kings County and Lincoln Hospitals with um, primarily with families uh, dealing with HIV, and uh, thought I would have something to add to the GMHC board. So I joined the board in um, 1994, served for seven years, uh, became the assistant commissioner for HIV for the city of New York, and essentially was a uh, grantor to GMHC, and in 2004 joined the staff and in 2006 became CEO. So I've had a, well, I guess about a 16-year history with the agency. Well, that's really interesting. One of the things I also noted in your bio is that you were featured in a few documentaries. Um, 
One of them was called Lost Children, and the other one was After Stonewall. Can you talk a little bit about what the documentaries were about? Well, All God's Children was a, a documentary that really looked at um, the issue of how the African-American community, particularly the African-American faith community, dealt with um, gay and lesbian people of color. And um, as someone who um, was raised in a very strong faith tradition, and while I don't describe myself as religious, I do think of myself as a spiritual person, um, I was happy to do um, that film. Uh, After Stonewall was a documentary that looked at, kind of after the 20 years of Stonewall, what had happened, you know, what uh, progress we had made as an LGBT community, uh, and I talked about both some um, general gains, um, but also talked about the challenges of HIV um, as part of the LGBT movement. Jeremy, it's your turn. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's me. Um, I'm trying to get some other um, facts in, in in my face before I start answering other questions. But um, so. So, Marjorie, I'm going to ask a really bizarre, probably pointed question. Okay. So how did, how does an African-American woman become the CEO and the leader of the gay men's health crisis? Well, I think it has a lot to do with experience and mm-hmm. um, expertise. Um, you know, there was a national search, and at the end of the day, I was the – best person for the job. Um, but that's not what you were asking. Um, right. <laughs> you know, uh, DNC, um, while those who don't know us uh, think of us as um, only gay mm-hmm. and think of us as white gay male, uh, and we are uh, very committed to um, gay men of all colors, um, but, you know, we are, the 15,000 men, women, and families that we serve are a very diverse population, and this has been true probably for the last, certainly for the last 20 years of our history. And so we have about um, a third African American, a third Latino, and a third white is how our general uh, uh, racial um, demographics are. Um, 24% of our clients are women. Um, the women who come to GMHC are overwhelmingly African American uh, and most identify as heterosexual. Uh, 45% of our clients are over 50. Um, and uh, our clients come from uh, all four boroughs. We, have, we do have a small percentage of clients that come from Staten Island, but um, basically our clients come from Brooklyn, Queens, Staten, um, Bronx, and Upper and Lower Manhattan. Uh, and we do a lot of uh, both family and intergenerational work and have about 240 partners, uh, agencies that we partner with, uh, some who are aid service organizations, but many who are not, uh, many who uh, use us as a referral source um, mm-hmm. so that um, 
individuals who come to us come to us simply because we're good at what we do. Um, and so the the women who come are not tripping about um, there's gay in our name and the gay men who come are not tripping because there are straight men and, and straight women there. Um, the persons who are over 50 are not tripping because we do kiki functions for, you know, young people. Um, and I'm I'm very proud of the diversity um, that we have, both uh, in our clients, uh, on our staff, and on our board. So well, I, I think. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, I, I was just going to say that I think you know obviously the name game and health crisis uh, came about early on in you know the the HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, the history of the disease just because that's who they thought it was primarily affecting and that's who, it obviously, there was this little core group. But it, it, like you said, I mean, it serves, the name is a little bit misleading now because it, 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 you guys serve anyone who is dealing with HIV or AIDS or other, you know, all the, all the resources that you were talking about. Uh, a question to you, Marjorie, is that, in that you, kind of, you kind of touched on this, and I think it's sort of new, it's the fact that there is a large population of, of older, you know, 50-plus people, um, which, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s, all those people were dying and dead. And it's interesting that this is one of the first times that now we have a, a older gay male population that's significant. Um, do you, what's your experience with that and how, you know, aging and the, the things that go along with aging and having HIV I think you've well, you provided know, there, an interesting there perspective. Are of, there are a couple of issues. Um, one is that, uh, thankfully, um, primarily due to medication um, regimens, that individuals are living longer. So you're absolutely right. In the early days, people would uh, come to GMHC essentially to make uh, plans around their death, whether that was plans for their kids, plans for their apartment, plans to uh, assistance with coming out, to their parents, um, both as gay men and as you know, as a person living with HIV or AIDS, um, and many, many people died three months, six months after diagnosis. You know, after, you know, and so we really, in the early days, focused a large part of our work on helping people die with dignity. Um, and did lots of advocacy work around funeral homes, which, you know, really were tripping about burying people. I mean, it's like craziness. Um, and, you know, we fast forward that to people living, you know, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years on medications, um, um, and, you know, people who say to us, I never thought I would see 40. I never thought I would see 50. I never thought I would see 60. Um, and along with that comes um, a lot of medical consequences of being on essentially some medications, some HIV medications are, are toxic, um, and, you know, not all, but over a period of time being on uh, any treatment regimen for uh, a very long period of time, um, there are consequences. Um, and. And so we are seeing some of our, some, not all, of our older clients um, developing issues around kidneys and issues around liver and issues around heart. Um, 
And so there are a number of medical challenges that are as a result of taking HIV antiretrovirals for a long period of time. There are also issues that come with just aging. So, you know, in terms of cholesterol, high cholesterol and diabetes and, you know, other issues that are much more prone in older populations and, you know, how does one manage that and manage HIV. Um, there are also, you know, very much social issues. Um, the gay community is very much... Um, has a lot of high value around youth uh, and uh, individuals who are, as does the larger community, I need to say, so it's not just a gay thing. Uh, And so as individuals are not uh, as cute, uh, uh, (laughs) you know, so cute but not as cute, um, you know, and not feeling as valued in a particular segment of the culture, you know, those kinds of issues also are the kinds of things that we try and deal with. Um, so that's one piece of the equation. Um, but there are also individuals who are newly diagnosed uh, at 50, at 55. Um, 16% of the HIV cases in New York City are in persons over, over 50. Um, and so... Um, individuals, and and the percentage of them are gay men. So individuals who have lived through many years of safer sex uh, either are being um, less careful or, um, you know, have accidents or however it happens. Um, But, you know, for an older person to contract HIV and then have to deal with a regimen, um, you know, there, there, there are lots of challenges around that. Uh, we also see a number of people who, um, uh, um, heterosexual individuals who um, have been uh, monogamous or married or, you know, in, in whatever way, not, not necessarily out in the market and then find themselves widowed um, or divorced or separated and start to date. And because they're not necessarily worried about pregnancy, um, don't necessarily practice safer sex. And there are a number of um, endemic outbreaks in retirement communities um, of HIV because no one's talking to these older, you know, these older persons, these mature persons, I prefer to say, because they think <laughs> they're not sexually active. I've actually I've heard of that. I've heard a couple. I've read a couple of stories about how that can happen in in these communities where people, you know, people assume that they're not sexually active and they're transferring it from person to person. And you know, just because you're over fifty or over sixty doesn't mean you don't still have a sexual life. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think well, it also relates to something, and I think Jeremy may have re- uh, was 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 heading down, at least I thought he was going to ask me about earlier, and the whole issue of, you know, um, the kind of silence around HIV. And while we are, you know, 30 years into um, a major public health challenge, um, you know, many people don't know about it. Many people don't really think it's that big a deal, or people certainly don't think that they are at risk. And, um that's a problem among young people who 
um, at least, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that the messages should be um, messages that shock and scare people, but in the early days when people were shocked and scared, there it helped. Um, they listened. Behavior. Yeah. Um, not, now well, that there isn't that, uh, young people, not so young people, are thinking, oh, it's not that big a deal. Uh, I ran into a young man who um, goes to a really good school, public school in Queens, and we were talking about HIV, and he said, oh, yeah, I just had, we just had HIV week at my school. And I thought, wow, that's great. You know, here we have a school. It's a good school. They're doing, you know, at least a week on HIV. And he said to me, there's a cure, right? <laughs> and Sorry. Thinking, oh, no. You know, yeah, no, I've I've had oh, I've had people say that a, to me before too. Good week, okay. Oh my! Well, and you know what's also interesting is we we I, I've been giving this a lot of thought too. Is we've been thinking a lot about the young the the young folks, you know, um, all these generation. What are they now? Xers? No, Ys. Gener- generation Ys. Right. But we have a huge um, population of baby boomers out there that are and, and I think we we were just talking about this a little bit. We were we were talking a little bit um we I think we touched briefly on this on on this folks who are over fifty who are sexually active and um I, oh gosh, what was the statistic? It was some astronomical number that eighty some percent of our workforce in the next ten years is gonna be over fifty. And not are they only going to be over 50, but they're reinventing themselves because people are living longer. So people are having more than one marriage. People are having more than one career. And I think all of this kind of plays into that, right? This, this well, idea of, you know what, I, I, don't, I, I might be divorced. I'm looking for someone new in my life. And I'm a straight, over 50 person. Who doesn't need to worry about safer sex because I don't need to worry about that. Um, you know, I um, getting getting a, pregnant. You know, periodically I have differences of opinion with people, uh-huh, very rarely. And uh, I was at a dinner party, and this man said to me, "You know, it's not an issue for. This is not an issue. HIV is not an issue for women." Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, like what planet are you living on? Um, you know, but I think there are people who really um, have these uh, antiquated but very deeply held beliefs. And part of the challenge of HIV has always been that um, talking about sex and sexuality um, is an absolute necessity in order to fight HIV. I mean, you have to be able to talk about having sex. Um, you have to be able to talk about um, how people have sex. You have to be able to talk about uh, drugs, I mean, all the things that people don't. You have to be able to talk about gay sex. I mean, people just, you know, and I think that we uh, are doing um, primarily young people, but obviously not just young people, a disservice because uh, we aren't having those conversations. Um, the number one cause of death for black women 24 to 44 is AIDS, number one cause of death. Um, wow. I'm a little bit beyond that demographic now, but I can tell the three of you that in the period of time 
between 24 and 44, I never had a doctor ask me, would I like an HIV test? Never. And I have had the benefit of having uh, health coverage all my life, and I have had gay doctors and black doctors and women doctors and, you know, I mean, young and old, not one. Wow. Yeah, I find that common a lot with, um, you know, um, mature women. (laughs) Um, The other guests that we've had on that are of the mature age also um, had that. Well, I'm being, that's the word she likes to use, right, Marjorie? Even before I got old, I wasn't asked. (laughs) I wasn't saying old. (laughs) (laughs) Marjorie, you old bag. That's the point point I'm making, actually. That if if I had been asked earlier and then sort of like, okay, well, now she's retired, um, while that would not be correct, one could at least justify it, but... You know, as a young woman, I wasn't asked, and why not? Because um, I'm making the assumption that my doctors assumed that I was negative, assumed that I wasn't the type, assumed that, um, you know, I would be offended, um, you know, or, you know, just it, it never even occurred to them. Yeah, it, we, we need to get to a place where it's basically just part of everyone's routine medical you know, annual or at least annual, minimum annual exam. Right. Yeah. Hallelujah, brother. Amen. So, Marjorie, what what is going on up in um at, at the, the Gay Men's Health Crisis for World AIDS Day? So we are uh, launching our new brand and website, and so we encourage you and all your listeners to go to www.gmhc.org. Um, Part of that new website will feature um, a crystal meth site that we've been working on for a couple of months, and uh, we have found that there are a number of uh, gay men who continue to be challenged by crystal meth and crystal meth use, and we know that that is often a um, precursor to someone. Uh, becoming HIV positive, and so we want to be able to both um, provide some support and information around crystal meth use, but also to make the connection between that and HIV. So we are, um, you know, very excited about using World AIDS Day as uh, an opportunity to launch our new brand and our new website. Well, that's exciting. So, so people can find all information on the gay men's health crisis at gmac.org. Marjo, I want to thank you for taking time out of your your holiday weekend <laughs> to um, call in and share about your amazing organization. It's really um, done a lot for us and has led the way for many other grassroots. So I wanted well, to thank you for that. Thank the three of you um, for doing such a great job. I mean, many people forget about um, the challenges around HIV and AIDS, and um, even at something as important and, and significant for the four of us as World AIDS Day, um, you know, I think there are probably some of your listeners who might say, oh, what's the big deal? Well, you know, as long as there needs to be more advocacy, more awareness, more education, World AIDS Day is an opportunity to do that. So a thank you uh, for helping us send out that message. Well, thank you. You have a great night. Thank you, Marjorie.
Bye, Marjorie. Bye-bye. Remember, folks, you can learn more about uh, the gay men's health crisis at gmhc.org. And don't forget to check it out on December 1st when they have a new design and a new website. So, gentlemen. And I think, uh, as far as I know, they're trying to kind of, like we were talking about earlier, they're sort of rebranding it. So, it's... You know, it's going to be more like they just call it GMHC, so it's not so much gay men's health crisis. Um, I I think, you know, because it obviously serves a ton more people than just gay men, although we are the most fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time. So, Jack, tell us, what's what's going on with you for World AIDS Day? Well, like I mentioned, we did, um, um, and Robert, thanks for, I think you posted it somewhere, the our little video widget that's on livingpositivebydesign.com. We did our Philly one. You saw the Philly one. How cute was that? Yeah. Um, and then we did um, we did another one in that's just all about World AIDS Day. We shot some footage at the USAIDS conference and or the conference on AIDS. I don't want to say it wrong. USCA. And we'll, so that we'll have a new video widget on livingpositivebydesign.com on World AIDS Day. And then. I just filmed and saw the edit of a PSA that I did in tandem with Logo and Merck, um, which is so adorable. So that starts airing on Logo, which is, I don't know what channel it is. That's 155 here in New York, I think. It's um, but that starts, 97 here in Charlotte. Yeah, so it starts airing on December 1st for the whole month of December. And it's me swimming, so you can see me in my Speedo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, it's all about, you know, if you're HIV positive and what you should do and getting your viral load undetectable, and it's cute. It's really, it's, they did a really good job. So, And then I think I'm doing um, uh, radio, satellite, media tour, whatever, you know, I don't know, for the first half of the day. So that, <laughs> well, I know I am, but I don't I, – say what? When does that show come on again? The – uh, the PSA starts airing on World AIDS Day, and I'm sure they'll like they do on Logo with everything else. It'll run, they'll run, run the hell out of it. <laughs> Good. Huh? By the way, Robert, I saw your um, thing that you did with Angina was really great. I loved it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. It was a hoot meeting her. It was great. <laughs> it was. It was amazing. It was just because you know what it was. It was. It's all the same weekend that I met you, Jack, for the first time. So it was kind of like this weekend of AIDS walk and AIDS activism and and meeting these people that you know are doing fantastic things. So it just was great to be a part of it. And celebrities cool. galore. <laughs> I hung out with Angina on Halloween, and it was the the most flawless moment of the whole night. We were in the Castro. Is there was some guy dressed as her, and she walked up. Yeah. What? Yeah, you told us that. That was hysterical. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. See, I'm getting old. See, I'm the I'm the old bag. I'm the old bag now. I repeat all my stories. <laughs> That's what happens when you're old and you have HIV for 20 years. You can't remember shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lady. But you have one up on us, Jack. You're still cute and pretty. <laughs> That's all smoke and mirrors and Photoshop. Don't 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 let it fool you. <laughs> oh gosh. So um, I just wanted to remind folks that um, I, I missed one big huge event that's going on this on World Aid Day is it's called um, oh crap it's called um, the Red Pump Affair. It's, I think I heard um, that on Twitter. Yes. 
So um, it's ladies in red pumps, cheap, and um, men in red ties. I'm sorry, red shoes are just cheap. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to see men in red pumps. I'd pay for that. That's what I would. I would love to see that. <laughs> so it's called, uh, it's called the Red Pump Red Tie Affair, and um, it's an evening of art, fashion, food, music, and commemorate World AIDS Day 2009. It's going to be down here at um, the Palmo Building at 2601 East 7th Street in uh, near Uptown Charlotte. It's going to go from 6 o'clock to 9 p.m. So come on down. I think the tickets are, let's see, what are they there? Um $25 a person and 50 bucks for VIP admission, So, which um, VIP includes uh, reserved seating uh, for the fashion show and a special gift. So, And it's cocktail tire uh, required, so red pumps, red ties are strongly encouraged and all that jazz. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's, that's um, a big one. Yeah, I wanted to announce the one that we're doing here in Philly. Um, it's obviously put on by the AIDS Fund Philly, who um, we had on uh, Rob right, Richard, or I forget his last name, I said it wrong, Richard um, from the Philly AIDS Fund last a couple of weeks ago. And it actually obviously is December 1st, and it's from 5.30 to 7.30 um, on, at the Broad Street Ministry and Sapphire Fund. Um, and it's at 315 South Broad Street. And again, it's from 5.30 to 7.30. There's food, live performances, free HIV testing, and they actually will be displaying the quilt, um, which is very uh, interesting. They'll be displaying it actually December 1st, the 5th, the 9th, the 12th, and the 13th at um, St. Luke and the Epiphany Church. So they can check that all out at AIDSWalkPhilly.org for the events and stuff that's going on there. Jack, is there a local one around near you that you are familiar with? I don't know. I'm sure there is. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I I was like, maybe I should think of something to say, but I don't know. I'm sure, you know, um, there's there's probably something going on. You can just find it on the internet. <laughs> one of the, the one of the other things that I want to uh, mention that was going on here in Philly, which was also posted on AIDS Fund um, website, is that at Drexel University from 7 p.m. to 9:30 on December 1st, Devin T. Robinson X a.k.a. Egypt, who was a guest on Pause AM Radio a few months ago, is doing his one-man show, which is a series of confessional narratives that both educate and entertain ages 12 to 65 without HIV. The performance displays seven, dif- seven different ways the virus can be spread without vulgarity or sexual inclination. So you can wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I was, was going <laughs> to say, you didn't just read that, did you? <laughs> Not at all. I memorized it. Uh, very good. Amazing. But, 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 but I, I want to ask how on earth you talk about HIV without any sexual inclination. I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to come out to Drexel University at 7 o'clock and watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, please. It's a sexually transmitted disease. That's like saying syphilis. Well, I think they the maybe, maybe they're educating about HIV and not necessarily – about how it's contracted. Maybe they're speaking about, you know, how to okay. live with it, how to get past the diagnosis. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll go with it. I, I, I'll go with it. I'll, I'll support it. But it's just, <laughs> I, I'm having a little bit of trouble trying to wrap my head around it. Hey, but also... Well, your I head, is, your head is, has trouble with a lot of things, Jeremy. Um, 
Oh, God, oh, aren't, you, God. aren't you serious about that? Oh, Lord. I want to touch on something um, that Marjorie said, actually, that freaked me out, that this, that little survey they did, that like 5% of the population that they asked knew about, I didn't know specifically what she said, or knew about HIV, or was familiar with it, or thought yes. they were touching it. Whatever the statistic was, that's like horrifying. And and actually, on the cover of our, our fag rag, Next Magazine, that we have in the city here, Right now is this whole article on bringing back the AIDS ribbon because people are like, where did it go? And um, I just, I think it's true that, I mean, I've had people say to me as well, like, isn't there a cure for HIV now? I thought we, I thought that was over. And I just think it's gone so far back in the closet that people that don't, aren't directly affected by HIV think it doesn't exist anymore. You know what, and, and you actually bring me into, you bring something up that I wanted to mention earlier about World AIDS Day is that get, you know, I, I want to encourage everybody to get out and talk. Oh, Jack, you do not hate me. Um, please. Um, ladies and gentlemen, he, Jack's kidding. He really is kidding. He doesn't hate me. Um, I just wrote in the chat room that I hate Jeremy, yeah. but I don't really. But, but I don't even know Jeremy. But he wants to. <laughs> He wants to know me in the biblical way. I want um, to. Oh, God, he needs me. Um, anyway. World AIDS Day, Germany. Oh, anyway, on World AIDS Day, um, get out and talk to people. If you are HIV positive, um, talk to people about it. You know, get out and, and explain to people that this isn't gone. It's still here. We are, we might be living with it. We're living longer um, but we're also encountering new new things that we weren't experiencing 30 years ago, you know, but we're experiencing issues with um, the meds, the, the long-term effects of the medicines. We're, we're experiencing different issues than, than, they were, than we were experiencing 30 years. So get out and talk to people about it. Shake there was actually a, there was a really interesting article and sort of, controversial actually dealing that, that was just recently I think in the Times or actually it was the New York Magazine and they interviewed six people that were long-term HIV survivors and just I, the the controversy was that the fact that n they all had these various problems and it implied that everyone that lives a long time with HIV is going to have all these issues so but that was the the the, the problem with the article but in, the, in another sense it was very interesting because um, you know, it just brought up all these issues because there is no such thing. I mean, there is no long-term living with HIV. I mean, I think the longest is, what, 30 years or something, and, and it's, it, no one really knows what's going to happen taking all right. these medications over a long term, and it's interesting to, to think about that, to think of an old, an, an, a more mature population living with HIV and what that means. It, it, that's absolutely right because, I, because nobody's lived... 30 years or more yet. Right. Right? You well, know, I, well, mean, I think Dab's getting really close. Dab is getting close. but we're, Dab's, but I think, at 29. Shh. He's not listening, so we don't want to talk about <laughs> Dab and his, you know, you know I, don't want to, I, want to get, I don't want to go down that road. No, but if you think, I mean, what, when, was, when did they call the grid, which was what? Like Marjorie 80, said something like 82, 83. 81, so, 82. And then yeah. 384 wasn't really went in, wasn't until the word AIDS 
right? Yeah, so technically, I mean, I guess there could be someone out there that's been living with it for 35, 36 years, but I don't think there's very many of those people. There, there aren't, right? Because, I mean, everybody died. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, God. <laughs> And now, and then, here are the three of us. Here are the three of us on on the radio, or internet, talking about AIDS and HIV, living with it. Jack, I mean, you're this award-winning designer, medal-winning swimmer, <laughs> athlete, dude. And and I mean, come on, Robert, you're this, you're Robert. <laughs> and and um, it's just I, I think it's an amazing if we're talking about World AIDS Day I think the three of us should just kind of sit back and reflect a little bit on AIDS on, on December 1st and say my god we are we, we've come a long we, guys we've come a long way baby <laughs> and thank god for, and thank god for the people that came before us that did die and yeah. act the people uh-huh. that were suffering through all of that when they didn't know what drugs they were giving people and the levels and dosages and all the people in ACT UP that were, you know, dying for so we could have the health care and the meds that we have now. So, a- Absolutely. And, and we, just, we, have, um, we have a lot to be thankful for and we have a lot to be grateful for and we just have a lot to, to, to just say thank you so much. I have a caller here on the line. I'm going to Ooh, have a caller. Area code nine three seven. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Lonnie, guys. Hey, Lonnie, how are you, man? I'm doing real great. I'm in Ohio. Uh, I was just really glad to hear the young lady speak. I assume she was a young lady. I'll, I'll say young lady. Keep myself out of trouble. Uh, <laughs> talking about it in the black community, and because we got a, I, our church was on a healing weekend every year, twice a year. And it's for affected or infected people. And uh, I had a young girl in my healing group that uh, she had never told anyone where she lives at for 10 years that she's been positive. And so it, it really just resonates to me where we're at with this disease. You guys are talking about longevity. You know, I've got 29 years plus a few months. And I think Dabs and I are probably, excuse me, I shouldn't use the name, I forgot. Uh, other <laughs> gentlemen are probably close to that period two, and I mean, I think that we give people hope at the same time as make them realize that, you you know, you can go on, but what I really was excited about was hearing the, the young lady speak, because we need to get into that community, you know, you know she was, somebody repeated the statistics of how many people, you know, young women, black women between the ages of what, I forget what it was now, 14 and 24, how many were infected, and um, this is what this young girl was talking about, that there was a gentleman in, in Toledo, Ohio, that was infecting people and knew he was infecting people, and yet nothing had ever been done to him. And you know, she was, you know, small groups at these healing weekends are a time where people can express things without worrying about going out of that group. As long as I don't mention any names, I'm all right. So, But it's just a situation that, we need to get into that community. We really need to reach in and, and get them to understand this is not a gay disease. This is not, you know, genetic. It's a virus, and anyone can get it. And if we don't stop it in that community, then we're failing our jobs, as far as I'm concerned. You know, as a person living with this disease, as long as I have, you know, that is our responsibility. 
and no one else will find yourself in, in, in the place that we're in right now. Well, I think you're doing a great job, Lonnie, you know. You offer a lot of people hope. I hope. I, I hope. Mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't, like I always said, I, you know, I don't care if I never remember for anything else besides the simple fact that I had AIDS and I lived 30 years. Of course, I plan on living a lot longer just to aggravate people. So, <laughs> but, well, thanks for calling in, Lonnie. I appreciate yeah, it. Sure enough. You guys have, have a great, great day. Bye. One of the I, I did want to mention real quick before we go, because we got about four minutes, is um, I saw a commercial the other day on Showtime. I was watching TV, and I wanted to just um, let people know about it, because there's not a lot of time where you see people living with HIV on television, and, and it's something that's, like, positive something that shows them, you know, surviving and moving on and, and moving past the diagnosis. And actually, on Showtime on December 1st at 9 p.m., there's a documentary that's premiering, and it's called Love in the Time of HIV. And um, it shares personal stories of people who, you know, are HIV positive and how they move past their diagnosis and how they deal with, you know, um, finding support and finding love because it's possible. So I just wanted to put that out there for people to watch. Um, December 1st, set your DVR, 9 p.m. on Showtime. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> and now there's all this debate on, like, who, how many years people could be living with HIV. And actually, I was thinking, I just was doing, I did my math wrong. <laughs> I was saying, like, 30, 35 years, but I was, it's actually, like, I was, ten, like, minus 10. So, but, um, yeah, I just didn't want to seem like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem like an idiot, Jack. Well, oh, I, I like another... it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I have another caller, so I want to bring them oh, on before we caller. go. we got about two minutes. Caller, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, I'm Julian. Hello, Hi, Robert. Julian. How, are you? How are you? Good. Julian's a member from Paz I Am, and he's actually calling in to talk to Jack. So uh, we got a couple minutes left, Julian. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited because I watched... Project Runaway. <laughs> well, I never thought that uh, I'll be talking to you. I'm sorry, my English isn't that good. But I just want to uh, say I'll tell to Jack thanks for somehow he saved my life. Um, Jack? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah. You're welcome. Because when I found out... Uh, I was so desperate, and I wanted to kill myself. It was almost two months ago, and the first thing I found out on the Internet was his picture and his story on, I think it was post.com. Wow. So, yeah, he stopped me because I was like, oh, I'm going to look that hard in 20 years. So. <laughs> well, like, I, well, I'm so happy that, that you found me. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, I'm so happy I found you. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I found Robert too. He has been helping me a lot because oh. I haven't told my family yet. Oh well, great. Well, good luck to you. That's off. That's great. I'm sorry we only have one minute left, but um, you know, I you can always find me on jackmackerroth.com. My 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 email is there if you want to email me directly, and I'll definitely chat with you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good luck, guys. <laughs> thank you. Oh, Julian, thank you. Yeah, Julian's a sweetheart. He was just recently uh, diagnosed, and he just joined Paz I Am, and only because he found stuff written on you, Jack, and about you doing the radio show, which brought him here. So I know that was a big thing for him, so I you know, applaud him calling into the show 
you know, because I know he was nervous speaking with you. He told me that's that aw- that's awesome, though. I mean, it's it's hard to hear a story that you know someone says someone says they're going to kill themselves, but mm-hmm. it's amazing that I mean, we have to remember. Like sometimes it feels like we don't reach a lot of people, but you know, it doesn't matter if we reach one. That's fine. You know. That's right. So you guys can find more information on Jack at jackmackenroth.com, more information on Jeremy Dunn at positivelyspeaking.com, and you can find more information on the radio show on our social network and myself at posim.com. Guys, it was great, and um, I look forward to next week with Angina. Yeah. All right. I'm Woo-hoo. so looking forward to it. Woohoo! Have a good weekend, have a everybody. Great Love Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.